morning. For those of you I haven't met yet, my name is Whitney. I serve as the director of mission, and it has been a while since I said yes to preaching, and I am really glad to be back in the saddle today. Friends, today we are looking at another post-resurrection text. Last week, John walked us through when the disciples encountered the risen Christ, and this week we're going to be looking at the road to Emmaus. But before we get into our text, I want to take a second for us to kind of get into the mind of our travelers that we're going to be accompanying today. This text takes place on Sunday night, Easter Sunday. But our travelers are not feeling Eastery. Scripture tells us they're sad. They're heartbroken. They've just watched their hopes crumble. If you are someone who maybe Easter this year didn't quite feel Eastery to you, but instead was maybe marked with some sadness. This passage is for you. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke 24, starting in verse 13, going through 35. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all these things, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women in our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things, then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord is risen indeed. He appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Oh God, may... The words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts 
be pleasing and acceptable in your sight this day. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So in our text, we find that we have two travelers, one named Cleopas, the other we do not learn his name. They are traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile journey that is mostly downhill. They had been in Jerusalem for Passover. They had gone to see this Jesus of Nazareth. They had heard that, that perhaps he was the one who could redeem Israel. And as they were there, they watched as their hopes were destroyed. They watched as their hope was arrested, tried, crucified. And they were sad, bewildered, full of sorrow. As they are on their long journey home, Jesus himself appears and walks with them, but they don't recognize him. And he says, what are you talking about? Cleopas, I can only imagine, was kind of annoyed and says something like, are you kidding me? Have you, are you the only one who hasn't heard? Jesus responds with, heard what? So Cleopas tells him all the things that have happened. As they, uh, as they are walking down the road, they, Jesus, began, Jesus responds to them and he calls them foolish, which is interesting. But then he takes the scripture and begins to unfold it before them, telling them all the things that Moses had said from Moses on, interpreting them about himself. What was that like? As they get near Emmaus, Jesus begins to peel off and they insist he stay with them that night. It would have been dangerous for Jesus to walk by himself. There were robbers, there were wild animals, and the terrain was treacherous, so Jesus agrees to stay with them. As they are sitting and eating their meal, when Jesus breaks the bread, their eyes are opened and they recognize him. And then scripture says he vanishes. What was that like? They turn to one another and say, we knew it. Our hearts were burning within us. We knew there was something going on with that guy. It was Jesus. They then quickly head right back to Jerusalem, even though it was dangerous to travel at night. When they arrive, the disciples say, wait till you hear this, but Jesus has appeared to Simon. And they say, wait till you hear this. We just ate dinner with him. It is an amazing account. As I've meditated on this scripture over the past few weeks, a few things have stuck out to me that I, I'd like to share with you today. The first one is this, is this passage reminds us that Jesus meets us where we are. It's kind of a Christian-y thing to say, that Jesus meets us where we are, but that like literally happens in this passage. Sometimes we think that our work is that we are supposed to find Jesus. Like we have to sniff him out, like we have to coerce him to come to us, that if we're pious enough, if we read enough scripture, if we just kind of get ourselves together, then we'll achieve finding him. But that is not how Jesus works. He faithfully shows up in the midst of our sorrow and sadness, our mess. And what I love about this is Jesus doesn't just show up and fix it. He doesn't say, whoa, 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 guys, calm down, it's me, I'm alive. He shows up and says, what are you talking about? And then he says, tell me more. And he walks with them in their sorrow. If you are someone who is walking a road that you cannot fathom that Jesus would show up on, take heart. He shows up right in the middle of our messes and says, tell me more. 
The second thing that caught my attention in this passage is the reminder that we don't get to pick when and where Jesus shows up. He's the one that picks that. And it's wildly frustrating. We want Jesus to show up when we want Jesus to show up. Whether it's looking for, we're we're in search of healing or transformation or salvation. We are ready for him right then, right there. But that is not how Jesus works. He shows up right when he means to. We don't get to tell him when that is. When I did youth ministry and I led confirmation class, I had an analogy that I often shared with parents, and it was this reminder that we can't create faith in our students. Parents can't, small group leaders can't, Sunday school teachers can't, even pastors, they can't. Uh, We cannot create faith in our students. That only belongs to God. But what we can do is imagine their spiritual hearts and see that our work is to faithfully lay kindling around their hearts, tinder, firewood, to lay that around their heart, lay things like scripture, like worship, truths about who God is, our own spiritual practices, showing up to worship, them seeing the truth of the character of God, faithfully laying that around their hearts, day in and day out, year after year, trusting that at just the right time, the Holy Spirit will spark and their hearts will go ablaze with faith. We don't get to say when and where that happens. That work does not belong to us. Our work is to faithfully show up, trusting that in just the right time, God will do the same. If you are someone who feels like you are waiting on God, take heart. He faithfully shows up. Our work is to wait for him, trusting that he will. The third thing in this passage that got my attention is I love how our travelers respond to their encounter with Jesus when they say, were our hearts not burning within us? I wonder if you've ever experienced something like that, where your heart knew that God was at work doing something mighty, that the Holy Spirit was up to something. You felt this tugging, this nudging. I wanna share with you a time when I experienced this. A few years ago was a hot July Saturday. My little boy Calvin was a baby, he was napping. Andrew, my husband, was outside doing his favorite thing, yard work. And I was inside and I desperately needed an iced coffee. I interrupted Andrew and he came in to sit with Calvin to pay attention to the monitor so that I could run to Starbucks, pick up my coffee and be back. I was gonna be gone five minutes tops. Starbucks is a mile from my house. Five minutes tops. I threw on my shoes and socks, hopped in my car, and off I went. I did not have time for God to burn in my heart. That was not on the schedule. But that's exactly what happened. As I was driving to Starbucks, I crossed Steck Avenue, which is right between my house and Starbucks. And I saw a woman walking down the street, and she was barefoot. She didn't have on any shoes. She was hobbling, it was hot. She was clearly experiencing homelessness and she was struggling. My heart burned within me. I found myself pulling my car over. I got out and approached her and introduced myself. Hi, my, 
my name is Whitney. I noticed you're not wearing any shoes, and I wondered if you would like my shoes. She looked at me and said, are you kidding me? To which I was like, I know, this is so weird, I know, but God told me to do this, so I'm just, do you, I just wanted to see if you would like my shoes. She began to cry. She told me that she had been walking barefoot all day, that her flip-flops had broken earlier. She was on her way to go meet her caseworker. She was in the final stages of being able to nail down housing and some mental health care she needed. And she had just cried out to God, asking him to help her. We sat down, I took off my shoes and my socks. She put on my socks and my shoes. We prayed and I sent her on her way. Now if you're wondering why I didn't just give her a ride, as someone whose heart often burns for those who are homeless, we have a rule that I'm not allowed to drive anyone if I'm by myself, which is a good, safe rule. So I did not give her a ride, but I did give her my shoes. It was a pretty cool experience. Here she was, walking down a road marked with sadness, waiting for God to show up. And God burned within my heart, and he showed up for her. I want to encourage you this week to pay attention to the burning in your heart. Sometimes it can be so loud like it was with me, I couldn't resist it. I just found myself pulling over. But sometimes it's quiet, and it is important for us to pay attention. You just might be about to encounter the risen Christ. As we go from this place, I hope you are encouraged to know that Jesus meets us right where we are, even in the midst of our mess. That we don't get to choose when and where he shows up, but show up he will. And to pay attention to the burning in your heart, because you just might be about to encounter the risen Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask that this passage would take root in all of our hearts this week. God, that the truths of your word would fill us with hope and that you would burn in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray.